0: Everybody say, I'm glad I came to church tonight. Take a deep breath and go, ha, ha, ha. I like the joy of the Lord. It is our strength. You know, take on that demeanor and practice that in your life. I know some people are not keen on that too much anymore, but I'm going to tell you, I've learned that, that uh, it helps us when we, when we respond to the Lord in ways that he's laid out in Scripture. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, with joy you draw water. Out of the wells of salvation, Amen. Amen. So when you go ha ha ha, when everything is going against you, you're responding to the situation and the condition and the opposite spirit, and you're responding with the atmosphere of heaven. Uh, the, that old great preacher from the 1800s, Spurgeon, said that joy was the serious business of heaven. So one more time, go ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We're very grateful to be here. We want to tell your pastors how much we appreciate and value their, our relationship with you guys. We've known them quite a while now. And our relationship was born in revival and born in the spirit. And we've gotten to know each other throughout the years. And I'm going to tell you something, church, you, you guys, I I would encourage you respond to your leadership uh, with honor respond. I know, and I know you do. I know that you do but I just want to encourage you, value who God sends to you. Value them, respond to them, and listen to the things that they're presenting to you because they, what you see, what, you, what they present themselves to be, I'm telling you, that's what they are. What, what you see them to be in the pulpit, they're not any different outside of the pulpit. They're not any different outside of the ministry setting. They're the same at home as they are right here and, boy, that is valuable in today's world, let me tell you. So respond to them and love them and pray for them. Pray for them. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a scripture in uh, the book of Acts where it talks about the, the, they, they had killed James. The persecutors had killed James. And then they grabbed Peter because they knew it was making the leadership at the time, the, the, the monarchs there, popular. So they arrested Peter, put him in jail so they could kill him too. What the church got to praying in? And you know, you would think that Peter had the anointing just to go ahead and deal with it on his own. But I'm going to tell you something about the way things work in the body of Christ. You don't have the the anointing all on your own to deal with every situation that comes your way. You need the body. Look at somebody around you and say, I need the body. See, the early church began to pray for Peter, and guess what? The Lord sent an angel and let Peter go. I often wonder, and I've asked myself this question over the years, what would have happened if the church hadn't prayed? I'll tell you what I think would happen. I think Peter would have been offered up as a sacrifice a lot sooner than that. He than he was, I think he would have been killed, and the church would have been robbed of years of a ministry because the church was not praying for the leadership. I mean, when the church prays for the leaders... Things can happen in the leaders. You know, here's one of the things I think the body of Christ needs to remember is that sometimes we get uh, crossways with leadership. We get, we get bound up in, in issues. And I don't know why I'm doing all this, but, but uh, sometimes we, I don't know what it's like to sit under leaders and be around leaders, and sometimes leaders don't always do everything that we would like them to do or prefer them to do, or sometimes, you know, we catch a moment of weakness and we get kind of crossways with it. You know, if we would start praying... If we would start praying for them, lifting them up, instead of always wanting them to pray for us, we reciprocate that love. And we begin to lift them up before the Lord. I think the Lord would fix a whole lot of things that are going on in the body of Christ. That the body would remind themselves that they carry an authority too. And they can pray over their leadership with love. I'm not talking about controlling. Not trying to manipulate God to get them to do what I want them to do. But just lifting them up in love and praying over them. I think our leaders would overcome many of the battles that they're going through today. Everybody say, I'm going to pray for my leadership. I encourage you to do that. Hallelujah. Pray for your leadership. Glory to God. Well, we've had a great week. I have felt like we've had a great... How many of you have felt like th- this week has been pretty good? Has anybody been touched by the Lord? Has anybody really felt like something happened? Is anybody willing to testify about it? Amen. Come on, Brother Ted. Praise God. It was when, when we were singing in the
1: Spirit... Together, and, uh... It's not before last, wasn't it? Yes. And, Lord, help me. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> Lord, help me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I do, Lord. <laughs> ah. uh,
1: well, Gabriel walked up to me because I was singing, you know, and I got out there in the Holy Ghost, and the, and we was all singing together. But t- uh, Lord, if I can even talk, <laughs> but Gabriel said, that, words,
0: but Ga- really-
1: Gabriel, Gabriel said, you was the praising worship leader during that because I got out there, I got up in the Holy Ghost, and 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 all of a sudden. I hear God come down with all the angels, and I hear all the angels singing with us. <laughs> and, and, and the Holy Ghost, and I was like, "Whoa
2: <laughs> I love you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh) <laughs>
3: Told Pastor Ben, I said, "Did you hear that?" He said, "Yeah, I heard it too." <laughs> I
0: did. I heard it too. <laughs> I think he's here. Amen. <laughs> I think he's here. I'm telling you something about this atmosphere. He could do anything in your life. <laughs> anything can happen. <laughs> Who else was here? Amen. Come on, Cherie. Come here. Praise the Lord.
3: (laughs) So the awesome thing about yesterday was Titus spent the day with his aunt. And the night before, Pastor Ben had talked about that we should live our life in such a way that others want what we have. And so as Titus was with her that day, he came home and he told me, he's like, I told Aunt Darlene, like, she should come to church. Like, you know, tonight Pastor Ben's ministering and she should come, and she started asking him about the Holy Spirit. She was like, what's it like to be baptized in the Spirit? And he was like, it's awesome, you know? It's awesome, and it feels good, you know? And so, anyways, she ended up coming last night, last minute coming, and not only that, like the last time she came, her husband wanted to bring her. Thank God he stayed home, so he stayed home. (laughs) That's a miracle enough. Is number one, for real. And so, because he's just, he's very resistant to a lot of things right now. But anyways, um, so he's like, no, go ahead. Even after she'd been gone all day and she came to service. And um, after when he called everybody up for prayer, she came up for prayer. And I told her, I was like, this would be a really good time. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, this would be a good time for you to receive. And she's like, yeah. And then when she was up here... Pastor Tammy, I mean, Pastor Ben prayed. I was so not ready for all of that. Pastor, Pastor Tammy laid hands on me and was praying on me in the spirit. And next thing I know, I'm going down, and I know good and well there's nobody behind me. And I'm trying. I'm like, I was fine, but it was awesome. But I was like, wow, you know. So I, the Lord knocked me out. But when I got up, they had they were through the line, and I told her, I was like, do you want to receive the spirit tonight? You know, she's like, yeah. I said, because if you do, you need to ask him. You need to ask him and receive today. And she said, I've asked him. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to get him. And not only that, one of the first words that he spoke last night was that there was somebody that was having trouble sleeping, and they couldn't sleep because of pain, and that's been her life. Her husband committed suicide in 2009, and from that time, she has suffered from infirmity, since then, continually getting worse, not getting better, no solutions, taking all kinds of medication, living on medication and, and still barely functioning to where she doesn't get up before noon or one o'clock every day and stays up till like four. So she doesn't get much sleep at all and then in constant chronic pain. And so today we seen her cause we had to catch up with her from yesterday. And um, she had some stuff to get t- give Titus and she was like, I'm doing so good. But not only that, I know that she was baptized in the spirit last night. And so I'm just so thankful for this church and for you guys that you know, and this is one of the testimonies she gave, too, about the church. She was like, one thing I can say about your church is it's full of joy. All the people have joy there. And she had told Titus, matter of fact, she told Titus when she was talking about the Holy Spirit that she said that she wished her church taught on it. Well, they're not going to teach on it because they don't, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So, anyways, praise God and thank you so much.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. One more. Come on, Gil. Praise God. Unless somebody has anything else more important. Who else got something else? Uh, we'll, we'll take four then. Amen. Anybody else? Come on, Gil. Come
4: on. Come on, Hilda. Mine's super fast. Praise God. I love y'all. Um, so uh, some of y'all remember at the beginning of this year, um, we had revival, and it was amazing. Um, there was one night in particular, you guys remember, that I completely, I missed it. I felt like I missed it. That wasn't the case. Um, and I just felt... Like God forgot about me. I felt left out. I felt ashamed. I felt I felt everything. I've never felt that bad ever before, um, and everything is so totally different this time. You know, like I was standing up there and I didn't care. You know, if I got prayed for or not, I was just thinking about the beginning of the year and I was just looking at everybody. And it, you know, Pastor Ben was praying for. Uh, sister Cherie's sister and I'm just like this is just amazing and I mean I was just so happy and so grateful for everybody um, for everybody receiving and I just saw a huge change and I thought that was a, that's a huge testimony for me because I came from, that was a very dark place where I was at at the beginning of the year and I'm just, I'm just grateful to be here and I praise the Lord. Awesome.
5: <laughs> praise God. Um, it was pre- last night. I literally got hooked up to heaven and I felt God's elec- like just electricity, like flowing. And whenever you're in God's presence like that, and the electricity is awesome, but it's like He's reviving and filling and making all things new. And it's just so awesome to be able to hook up to His glory, and that's, it's a place you can't find anywhere else other than here in his presence, and so it's so awesome to know that I can get hooked up at any moment, and yes, and it is awesome to to just uh, get hooked up right now, (laughs) amen. Did you you come over? Come on, that's okay. (laughs)
6: I just have so many things to be grateful for, but to God be the glory. I mean, he's just doing a lot in me and in my life. Healing, number one. Um, The other night we were praying, and that was when we were getting delivered, and I just felt like I just wanted to add Miss Twyla in the prayer. And at that time, um, I just seen her on the like stretched out on the couch, and I just seen the Lord touching her. And so I just wanted to make sure, so I called and checked on her, and I just asked a couple of questions, and that was when the time everybody was up here, and the Lord touched her body. And so I just praised God for that, but then, yes, today, I was at work and I was cutting a gentleman's hair. It just got out of, like, he was an addict, basically. The fire of God is flowing through the building, number one. Let's just give God glory for the fire of God. You know what I'm saying? All glory goes to him, you know, and I'm just, this is a new testifying for me because, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I'm telling you, everything that's dead has come to life. I mean, the mind, the body, and just, you know, deliver you know, that sipping thing, you know, just deliverance. And, and what I want to say, I'm telling you, I was just so locked in today. Cutting this man's hair. And he just was locked eyes with me, but it was like... He, the Holy Ghost captivated him. And before he knew it, we in the sinner's prayer. I said, I know you got out of your 12-step program, but what you need is the Lord to keep you. Because you've been back. And I just started walking him through the process, and he was like, yes, yes, yes. I gave him a card. I told him where to go, come. And I'm telling there are people. It's like, once you get delivered, you become unashamed, unself-centered, and you turn the tension on people. And I was so bogged down with my stuff (laughs) that when God takes you and delivers you your stuff and takes you and gets your stuff out the way, you can see people. And so that's the testimony is about that that I can see people, (laughs) that I can see people. People that need the Lord. Now, all the times I want to be funny, y'all want to be funny. But glory to God! (laughs) Because I see people.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, Carolyn. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
7: I'm new. This is, I'm nervous, Rick. Okay, I came from Baptist, so. This is all, (laughs) that explains a lot, right? (laughs) Okay, Um, but God has pulled me out of it. I was addicted to pills. I lived a life of not wanting my children that God blessed me with because I wasn't supposed to have any, according to doctors. I left an abusive husband, and I don't have a supportive family, so that led me into another even more horrible relationship Abuse, physical, any kind, um, introduced methamphetamines. I am 13 weeks clean. I have. Yeah. My babies are my life. I am. my Oh, my family's tried to put my fire out. <laughs> and I just sit and I laugh. And I said, you know, they're on me. You need to provide. You have till September to come up with everything for court. And I said, if you asked me what I'm expecting? No, you haven't. I said, I know I'm not going to get them back fully, but I trust whatever God has in my plans, he will provide what I need to do it.
0: Amen.
7: I follow him. And he, they said, no, you follow him through providing for your family. And I said, if you want to have your relationship that way, that's on you. But I am made for greater. <laughs>
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody in here right now, you've got numbness in your hands in your, going down into your fingers. And if it's you, if you've got enough faith to stand up and say, Lord, I believe that you'll heal me, I think the Lord will touch you and heal you today. Lift them hands up. Praise God. Father, I thank you. Hallelujah. Anybody else has got it, I'd claim it too. Amen. Father, thank you for healing him. Thank you for every nerve being unpinched and these limbs being loosed in the name of Jesus. Be free of that pain, discomfort, numbness, and tingling in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, I could feel it in my own body. And as soon as I started praying, it left me. So amen. It's been released. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, Jesus still heals today. Listen to me. Jesus didn't heal some of us. He healed all of us. It's a matter of whether we're going to receive that or not. I mean, some people, I used to ask, well, I don't see everybody healed. I said, well, I don't see everybody saved either. But Jesus died for the whole world. And by his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I'm going to remind you again, healing has come to the church again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's a prominent thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) Man, I'm excited. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Because I mean, I'm already in the zone. Praise the Lord. One more I'm going to hand the mic off to is my beautiful wife. And I'm going to ask you to stand up. So I never tell her ahead of time. Amen.
2: I was just enjoying myself over there in the presence enjoying of the this. Lord. <laughs> Oh, God is good. He is so good. He is so amazing. And He will, he will meet you. Uh, young woman, I'm telling you what, I've, I've tried it all back in the day. Went from abusive relationship to abusive relationship. And once I surrendered my life to God, he, that was it. That was it. I was on the verge of being homeless. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was at that place where I was so broken. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I gave my life to, to the Lord. And it has been 33 years that I've been serving Him. And if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you, ma'am. And I'm believing for you to get your kids back. You get your kids back and you are whole and you are well. And you're you are going to be the provider because God is your provider. <laughs> He's going to make a way. He's going to make a way for you in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, I have seen the goodness of the Lord. The evidence of His goodness is all over my life. I love that song because I look back and I see what He brought me out of and what He's brought me into. And He brought this man of God into my life. 32 years Friday. 32 years we'll be married. And so I know brokenness, but I know healing. I know death, and I know life. And His name is Jesus, and it's in Him. So I'm telling you, anything you have need of, you stick with Him. You stay with Him. Isn't that right, Nakia? You've had opportunity to back up and go go another direction haven't you I know we all have every single one of us when we're serving the Lord we have opportunity to back up but if you'll continue forward I'm here to tell you you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living you will see it The evidence of his goodness will be all over your life. And Gil, my God, what an awesome testimony. Because I talked to you in January. And I knew how you were feeling. And my heart just broke for you. But you know, you got it, brother. You got it. You got it. It might not have been that, that drunken or rolling in the floor or whatever you thought it was you were getting. But what you needed, you got it. Because now you're looking out and you're seeing, man, God, touch my brothers and sisters. Touch them. That's a right heart, brother. That's a right heart. And I love it. I love it. Um, yes, he is. He is. I know. It. I'm just, I just I look at him and and I I, he just blesses me so much. Bless you guys just you you have blessed us so much. Thank you so much for receiving us and loving us like you do. And we love you guys.
0: Thank you. Amen. Thank you, baby. (laughs) She always says, I don't have anything to say. I know better than that. She has a lot to say to me. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, God's good. He is so good. Thank you, Lord, for revival. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing this week. And I'll tell you, we are, we are always blessed to come to Winner's Church. You guys love us so much, and, and we are grateful for the relationships that we've built with you over the years, and you are dear in our heart. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not just saying this. It really is like coming home. It's, it's with the same atmosphere that we have at home where we actually live. We encounter that here. And the same affection towards the folks that we have in Atlanta, Queen City. Is this, we have the same affection towards y'all. We love y'all and pray for y'all and believe, God, that the vision that God gave your pastors is coming to pass. And, okay. and things that God has put in their heart for your lives uh, he's bringing you into, and I am ex- excited about it because I believe that there's a, a new chapter awaiting you, and uh, you're entering into that place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank God for all the testimonies. Thank God for all the testimonies in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I want to I continue on just for a moment before we start praying for one another, and if there's oil, I'd like oil tonight. You know, I, I don't always anoint with oil, but there are times I feel like the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. wants to do it that way. And there's something, I don't know, it's, I know that the, the bottle has nothing to do with uh, the power, but, uh, but the symbolism of it is just so powerful in my heart and my mind, because I see it as more than just praying over people to get healed. I see it as there's an element of, of a renewal of the Holy Spirit coming upon their life and resting upon them. It's like being set apart unto God. I really believe that the church is being visited by the Holy Spirit right now to to reset us apart where we're coming out. Just like Pastor said just a moment ago, when Uzziah died, something died with him and there was a restoration and now we're encountering glory again and all all at once we're, we're encountering our own humanity, our own weaknesses and we realize that that the things that we have been prophesying and talking about. You know, Isaiah had already been a prophet for a long time. But when the Lord touched him and the coal touched his lips, he, he, he was cleansed of the, of, the, of the muddied language. You know, he, was, he had been prophesying, but it wasn't quite as pure as it could have been if he had known the glory of God. And God, God helped him to realize that I needed to come away from some things and be separated and consecrated again to the purpose of God and and it affected a generation. It affected an entire generation of God's people. And so I see a a work of the Holy Spirit consecrating us and setting us apart. So let me remind you of some things that we talked about this week in James chapter four and verse seven again. We're gonna use that same text. I'm gonna talk about this in in a, a little bit more detail. To kind of remind you, because I'm seeing this moment as the Lord visiting us, reconsecrating us, freeing us from the baggage, freeing us from the stuff we've picked up along the road of life. And allowing ourselves to get free from some things, including even demonic activity. I, I, have, I have pastored a long time, and I mean, this whole idea that Christians can't have them is just not true And Tell you Christians can have whatever they want and whatever they're willing to tolerate and some of us tolerate things and I myself included We've tolerated things and the enemy's gotten an advantage of us And sometimes we're just flat-out tormented, you know, we we don't have regular TV at home We you know we have internet and we we you know have Amazon Prime and different things so we don't watch regular TV So in the hotel room we've been able to watch TV and I've just been shocked We were making comment is like every break between Unsolved mysteries that we've been watching <laughs> ha, has been about selling pharmaceuticals, and it was and I mean, everything, every single. I mean it was like I was I was just flabbergasted. I I don't remember a single commercial that I saw in between any of the programs that we watched where it wasn't selling a pharmaceutical about depression or anxiety or or some psychotic medicine. And I began to to look at that and I, I realized what they're doing is they're, they're selling a product and they're convincing people that just because, I'm, just because I'm having a bad day, I've got a condition. I mean, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that might have a condition, but, but they're selling this to us as a normal thing and as, as a society that we have a condition. And just, you know, we, we might just be going through a lull. or a, everybody, everybody has bad times. Everybody has times where they feel down. I don't think of myself as having a condition because, you know, I, I go through a, a, a moment of, of letdown and depression. Everybody has let their hopes set on things that don't come to pass, and they feel a little disappointed. I don't, I don't see myself as having a condition, though. I see myself as just going through a bad patch, but I'm going to come out the other side, and I'm going to respond to that, that circumstance with an opposite spirit. But I see, I see them, and I was just shocked at this and watching this. because It's been a long time since we've had TV where we saw actual commercials. But they're convincing people, and the enemy is convincing people. I wonder how many of those folks are Christians, and they're convincing us of things that aren't real, but they're putting us in a condition where we accept a bondage. We accept something that will enslave us and affect us and, and it has, a, has a, a payback somewhere in the future that's even worse if we go down that road. So in this passage of Scripture, in that passage of Scripture, James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I would encourage you to really practice in your life submitting to God daily, daily. You know, we give our lives to Jesus Christ when we get saved, but that's really the first moment that we do it. And now that we belong to him or are saved, we need to live in a, a, a place where, where when we find things or, or just the very things that he gives us to, to enjoy and to live in, like the day itself. You know, the day we're born and we live day by day and we wake up and his mercies are new every day. There's nothing wrong with, with approaching God and saying, thank you for the day you've given me. What is your plan for me today? And taking a moment to give your life back to the Lord. And then there's moments where the Holy Spirit will come and he'll show you something in your life where where you've not really given something over you know that was a real problem in my life I felt like some of my scars or wounds or 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 things that were hurting me were too precious for me to let them be exposed especially in church or especially in the presence of God And the Lord would help me to understand that it was a safe place and I could give those things to him. And as I did, in whatever places they were, and there have been many, I would find freedom. I would find peace. You know, we got to remind ourselves that the Bible says that there's a peace that passes understanding. Everybody say a peace Peace. that passes understanding. I want you to consider that phrase out of the book of Philippians Chapter 4, the peace of God. When you give things over to God, when you let your requests be made known unto God, and you decide, I'm going to stop worrying and fretting and having anxiety over stuff, letting myself get worked up over things that are most of the time lies, you know the devil when he starts talking to you there is this realm of false visions that come to us and it's the scenarios that run through our mind that have not happened yet and when I was a young father I had a lot of fears over my children and I would have nightmares about my kids dying and bad things happening and my my daughter would drown in the dream and I was trying to rescue her and I lived in this place of anxiety and it was like the and throughout the day i could just be going about my day and things would just flash through my mind of some something and it would move me sometimes to pick up a phone and call and you know i would get worried and, and it was the enemy prophesying to me and and trying to get me into another state of existence and until i recognized the enemy was talking to me i wasn't getting any victory it wasn't a matter of me just praying to God, it was a matter of me submitting to God and resisting something that had become a pattern. And I have, you know, some of us out here, we yeah.
2: I'm gonna tag team you. All
0: right. We're always right. talking about. Hallelujah. I'm gonna let you tag. Go
2: for it. I'm gonna tag you, Go <laughs> Pastor. I've never done this before. I've always sat there. He's always challenged me with tagging him. I've told him. To do it. <laughs> and Brother Zig said to do it too, and so tag. I'm it. <laughs> I just want to share this with you out of the Passion Translation, what he's been ministering on this week where it says, uh, then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony is what the Passion Version says. The enemy will flee in agony. Aren't you sick and tired of him tormenting you and you being in agony over his lies? So if you will submit to God, he will flee in agony. I'm going to tell you the translation in the Aramaic on that is the accuser will flee in agony because the one who stands with you. The one, capital O, the one who stands with you. See, the enemy already knows what Jesus did to him. He already knows the open show that he made of him. And he knows he's defeated. So when he sees you and you're submitted to God, he sees Jesus. See that. I want you to see that. I want you to see that in your life. And the scripture after after that says move your heart closer and closer to God. And he will come even closer to you. That's the next step we take once we submit. And the enemy flees. We're going to move closer to God. Closer to him. The Aramaic says, uh, can be translated, and he will be touching you. How powerful is that? When you move closer to him and he moves closer to you. I don't know about you, but I want to touch from heaven. I want God to touch me. Didn't we sing about it tonight? Didn't we sing about it tonight? Do you mean it? I want a touch from heaven. And if all it takes is submitting to God, then let's submit to God. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. What I can say is it's about time. Amen. (laughs) It's about time. Praise God. See, I've always saw us doing that. And I love it. Praise God. So in your mind, in your heart, I mean, listen, you, it's submitting to God is positioning yourself and, and getting equipped to face the day, getting equipped to face the, the challenge or, or whatever it is, that the endeavor, uh, instead of allowing the defeat to start before the endeavor even has begun. You know, I, I mean, you, you really think about this. How many of us uh, that are in ministry hear from from the the naysayers sometimes uh, through the community i can remember years ago hearing through the community you know well you know that church has always had those problems you know it's it's not going to work and you know if you'll let if you'll listen to that as a pastor you're already in a position of failure as you get out the gate and there's a lot of ministries that are like that, or, or even congregation members that are naysayers. You know, any, anything the pastor might present as a, something to do. Well, we tried that before, and it didn't work, and it's not going to work. That, and it's like you defeat yourself before you even begin. And, and you have to learn to stop doing that. Just, just never be that kind of a person with your own life. Maybe not the church, maybe not the ministry, but with your own life. Because you're the head and not the tail. You're blessed and not cursed. You have life and life more abundantly. And think about if you really believe that, if you really embrace that and believe that and could lose the fear of failing. You know even with God some of us we live in this place I'm I'm afraid I might sin or something like that you know afraid what God might punish me over listen he's already made a provision he already knows that you're gonna jack it up sometimes and so he says when you sin go to the father you've got an advocate his name is Jesus he's already shed his blood for everything you ever did, everything you might be up to right now and everything you're gonna be doing so you can go freely to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Amen. So you have an antidote even to, for your humanity, for your weakness, for your failure. And so when we embrace a mindset of victory, it positions us in a whole different attitude of how we put our hand to the plow, that, that whatever I set my hand to is gonna be blessed. Now it doesn't always get fulfilled in the way that I perceive it's going to be, but I have come to realize that God knows how to turn things around, even when it looks like it might start flopping from the, from the endeavor that I've I've stepped out in. You know, I had a friend of mine a few years back and this was quite a while. He had an office building here in Oklahoma city and his, his office was like on a certain floor. He actually had rented the whole tower and he was working out of that place and one, one day, he gets a phone call at home and said, hey, there were some pipes that froze and busted over the wintertime, you know. And the whole thing has been flooded. And so, you know, I, I heard about it. So I called him. I said, hey, how are you doing with that? Is it, are you doing all right? He goes, yeah, I'm doing all right. I said, well, did it, how much got ruined? He goes, everything got ruined. I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He goes, I'm fixing to get a big old fat check from the insurance company that was going to cover that and much more, and we're going to have the whole tower renovated by the check that the insurance company is going to cover. The devil's not going to run us out. We're just getting an upgrade. And I thought, man, what a way of thinking about what some people would feel like the end of their world. God can step in. He turns that thing around. He turns that thing around. Everybody say, I'm going to live a blessed life. Listen, the way you live a blessed life, it starts right here. How you perceive, how you see yourself in the picture. It's very important that when you read the Bible, you don't read about stories that happen to other people. You read about stories that's going to happen to you. You see yourself in the book. I love the story. That's in the old covenant about how this young kid named Josiah was born in a very pagan, sexually immoral, awful world. And he's the prince and he becomes king. And so a few years rock on and he hits that place where he's going to have full fledged authority. He's only 16, which he's a kid, but he's only 16 and he's going to have full fledged authority. And God had a plan. Because somebody had forgotten along the history that 400 years before, a man of God had come down and prophesied, I'm going to send somebody Josiah by name. And somehow they wrote that down in the prophecy and stuck it in the corner wall of the temple. And a priest found it, covered up with dust, hidden in the corner. And he brings it out and says, hey, king, there's something I think you ought to read. And the moment he reads his name in the book, the Bible says his heart changed and he became like another man. And it's so radically changed that the Bible says there's never been a man whose heart was so radically turned towards the Lord than Josiah's simply because he saw his name in the book. I've got news for you. Don't you think your name is in the book too? See, if we don't start reading ourselves into the story, we're missing out on a whole bunch of the victory that we're supposed to be walking in. So God didn't just tell some of us, I've blessed you and I'm not going to bless everybody else. He's going to bless us all. It's a matter of whether you believe it or not. Whether you can pick that up and work that or not and step out in faith on that or not and just keep on growing in the Lord and watch that thing unfold. Let me just tell you something else about this. You know, I was thinking about this this afternoon while I was, while I was resting before the Lord. Amen. I was, I, was, I was thinking about this scripture verse that says, uh, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Now, here's what some of us think when we read a scripture verse like that. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. We think that I'm going to get a windfall. If I give an offering today, I'm about to get a windfall. And the Bible absolutely in the Hebrew says that that's not what that means. The word rich does not mean windfall. The word rich means accumulated wealth. Meaning that the blessing of the Lord working in my life should have me on a progressive scale that from now on in my future, I'm progressively walking into more and more and more and more. And you know, here's the deal, you know, with some of that wealth that God wants to deliver into your hand, he's trying to work on you to accommodate that blessing. There are things in you that need to shift around in the ways that you think, the ways that you, you know, sometimes we're just thinking only about ourselves, and, and God's got to a bigger picture in the future he's got other people included in the blessing that's upon your life hallelujah i ain't nowhere near where i wanted to go but amen this is all right hallelujah so you need to allow god to put that vision in your heart that you see yourself in the book and you start seeing yourself coming out of the conditions that you've been stuck in See yourself coming out of depression. See your, I don't care what's happening in your body. You may be, the doctor may have told you a grim report But listen, if you embrace the grim report, you're accelerating a death sentence or you're accelerating a calamity. How about you start seeing yourself coming out of that? How about you start seeing yourself getting better? How about you start seeing yourself walking again without pain, sleeping all night without pain? How about you start seeing yourself doing better in your future? And that every day of your life, that's the vision that you're following, not the vision of what the earthly news is telling you. When we submit to God, that's, that's, that's really what that's really looking like. Is that we're coming to God and saying, I'm not doing it my way, I'm going to do it your way. And when you submit to God, the power to resist that enemy is available to you. Now, I said this last night, we looked at Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. I feel like this is a very relevant scripture for this church right now. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, finds none. And then he says, I'll return. I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there in the last state of the is worse than the first. And so shall it also be with this wicked generation. So, getting the devil out isn't all there is. You know, I used to think, uh, you know, when I when I found myself in bondage, when this is a long time ago, but I used to be a smoker, a heavy smoker. I started smoking when I was, I think, about 12. Uh, It was on the Fourth of July weekend. You know, back in the day, we had a lot of firecrackers, and I ran out of punks, and so the only thing that was available to me was a pack of cigarettes. And so we started lighting up cigarettes to light off all them firecrackers, and I started smoking them. And, you know, all the other boys started smoking in the neighborhood, and we started smoking. And then somebody comes along and said, you know, you ought to quit that. Well, I can quit whenever I want to. Well, one day, one day I I thought, well, I'm going to quit. You know, I get filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm like, I'm going to quit. And when I stepped out to quit, I found myself in bondage. I found myself that this was not a willpower thing at all. This was something that had a hold of me, and it was working through that addiction. Something had a hold of me. And man, I sought the Lord for uh, 10 months, 10 months of praying about that and trying to get free from that until the Lord delivered me from that. But you know, uh, when, when that happened when the deliverance of it happened and that thing was driven out of me and it was a spirit. It was, there's no doubt about it. It was a spirit. But it was a, a real, I won't tell you the whole story about it, but it was a spirit that left. Well, from, from that moment on, the mindset had to accommodate that deliverance. I could still remember the enemy coming around and trying to tempt me. And trying to tell me you didn't get set free, you know, you're just thinking that, and, you know, you've never been free, you've never with that, you've never with this long without a smoke, you know, it's just something simple like that. But I'm like 22 years old, you know, and I, and this this thing would go off in my, and I would just decided, you know what, I don't have the craving, I don't have the thing pulling on me, and so I'm not gonna buy into the thing he's trying to sew into my mind. And I turned my attention elsewhere. I decided I wasn't going to live the struggling addict lifestyle. I was gonna move over and start living in another realm where other things occupied my thinking that were from God. Filling my house instead of just, you know, living over in that place of struggle all the time. Cause I really wasn't struggling. But the enemy kept trying to convince me, you're still struggling, you're still struggling. No, I really wasn't struggling. But it was in my mind. It's amazing how your mind can play tricks on you and how the enemy can usurp those thoughts and just throw things in there to try to see what you'll do, see if you'll dance. And so I started filling my house. We're in a time when the Lord starts moving like he's doing and cleaning out the house, setting us free from things that have oppressed us, enslaved us, defiled us, tormented us. And we get set free, we've got to change the mindset to accommodate the victory. Everybody say, I'm going to change my mind. mind. Do you know repentance? We think of repentance only in the realm of repenting from some sin. Repentance doesn't mean that. You know that? Repentance doesn't mean that. We've been told that for so long, nobody's ever even took the time to look up the word. Repentance means to change your mind. You know, we should be repenting all the time. You know, every time we have a revelation from God, repentance needs to accommodate the revelation or the revelation will die. Do you know that? Every time God gives you a revelation, if you don't embrace repentance, the changing of the mind to accommodate the revelation, the revelation will die. But the moment you change your mind and you embrace the revelation and you mix it with faith, it is now conceived in the soil of your life. And the vision begins to unfold itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. God's trying to bring things to pass, but it does require us to change our mind about it. When God, everybody say, when God brings my revelation, I'm going to change my mind. And that can be over your finances, over your health, over your marriage, over that thing that you're stumbling over right now, over that bad temper, over that negative attitude, over that cusser that you still hadn't got submitted to God. I'm telling you, when he starts visiting you, he's going to show you a different way that he wants you to live. And if you'll change your mind and embrace it, you'll start seeing things happen that accommodate the vision of where God's trying to take you into. So as God starts sweeping the, the house out, we find it swept and put in order that's good it 's okay. We need it there. We need the cobwebs swept out. We need the devils thrown out. we need the the stuff thrown out, but we don't need to leave the house in that condition. Every time God comes to sweep out the house he 's positioning the house to be refilled with himself. Everybody say, "My house needs to be filled." My house needs to be filled. You know every time that you come to church and you worship and you press in every time you break open your Bible every time you begin to pray every time you're fellowshipping with the Lord you're allowing him to come into the house to fill things up you're allowing him to come in and impart that revelation or impart that truth or work that thing inside of you and your and your your condition begins to change The more you get filled, the more you find change in your life. Change, being filled with the Spirit does not not come without change. Every encounter of the Lord, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, every encounter with his glory brings a change in my life from the reflection of that glory in my life. So I need to keep seeing and I need to keep moving towards that. So the house needs to be cleaned and the house needs to be filled. So my focus this week has been not only to see your houses cleaned, the the house that you live in being affected in some way where God destroyed a yoke of bondage, but to help you to get filled again. So I started out the other night to tell you the number one thing you need to do is get filled with the Holy Spirit. That includes praying, worshiping in the Spirit. And remember this, it also requires a Spirit-filled lifestyle that is one of practice. Practice your faith. Pra- Everybody look at your neighbor and say, practice your faith. You know what that means? That means you act, you act like a Christian even when you don't feel like you're a Christian. This business of I don't feel spiritual doesn't cut the mustard in the mature realm of Christianity. Amongst the mature, we don't even hear that language. Well, I don't feel safe. We don't even hear that language. We don't even hear, I don't feel this, or I don't feel that. I knew of a pastor years ago, he, did, he literally carried lead weights in his pocket for every time one of the saints said, I don't feel lead. He'd pull out that, and he goes, no, this is real lead. Why don't you feel that? And he would, he would tell them, you know, this business of I don't feel lead, and I get blown about all my life. You know, the Bible says the mature people, they quit being blown about by every wind of doctrine that comes along. Winds of doctrine aren't winds out of the word of God. They're just winds of the day that come and say, I don't need to behave in the way the Father says I need to behave. I literally knew one pastor one time. He gets up one Sunday morning and said, I just feel like the Holy Spirit says I need to stay home. And it's like he didn't even tell anybody at the church. And so they're waiting for somebody to come and preach. And I'm like, man, that is not very smart. Somebody, Somebody's not following the Holy Ghost here. Because he's not going to do that. So he was allowing his his circumstances to dictate. A spirit-filled lifestyle is one of practice. That includes renewing your mind spiritually, changing your mind. When you renew your mind, the Bible says you're positioned for transformation. Transformation is a word that means you become what the Holy Spirit says you already are. How many of you know when you read the New Testament, you need to read it in the light of a prophecy to my life? It's telling me what God says that I already am. Even though my life doesn't quite look like that, it is what I am. And the Holy Spirit, my helper, is guiding me into all truth, and he is helping me and empowering me to become what God says I already am. And so when I walk around with a flaw and an addiction and I still struggle against sin and I'm still struggling against something in my life, I still need to look to what he says I am and start practicing and moving myself towards that thing as though I really believed it. So, because I am becoming who God says that I am. Hallelujah. So when truth comes, that's what happens. So the Bible says this in Romans 8 verse 5, it says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Embrace spiritual mindedness. What does that mean? I mean, carnal-minded is pretty it means just being caught up in life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you got your mind on sin, but it means you got your mind on worldly things so much that there's no room for for the things of God. And boy, when you get carnally minded and you get worldly minded. Your perception of even spiritual things is strange so if you will decide I'm not gonna rest my mind on those things like I do don't give them the attention now I know that there's things you got to manage but you can still manage them full of the Holy Ghost so so you learn to, to involve God where's the Holy Spirit my helper in this and you rest your mind on things you know meditate in the scripture If if you see something in the word that God says belongs to you, meditate in that thing. Talk about that thing. Pray about that thing. Prophesy about that thing. Tell yourself that's where we're going. That's what you are. And you begin to release the power of that thing. So don't allow yourself to be carnally minded because it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Think about your own life. Do you really walk in life and peace in reality? Do you really have the peace of God that passes understanding? Do you really live an abundant life? Well, where's your mind? What is it resting on? Learn to use the authority of the name of Jesus we talked about. Uh, Jesus said this. He said this in John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now here's the thing that most Christians miss in this. They're like, does that mean I could ask for anything that I want? Well, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But I would challenge you. You think maybe there's something in there of a higher nature than just the wants and desires of the carnal man. Now we all have needs but sometimes there's just this christmas list that we have with god and we want him to wave his hand over places that you know in in ways that really has no purpose maybe he's wanting us to get his heartbeat okay. you know there's this thing there's this thing called the will of god everybody say the will, god. the will of god now there's two words in the new testament for the will of god one of them is called "belima," and it's very rare it's not used very many times that's the ironclad will. This is often in the realm of prophetic things that are coming in the future that we have no part to play in. They're gonna come like Jesus is going to come when the Father says, come. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. There's, I mean, it's going to happen. Nobody's gonna stop it. The devil ain't gonna stop it. Nobody. It's the will of God. But most of the things that are called the will of God in the scripture are actually the heart wish of God, the inner heart desire of the Father. And in order to have that, you come into a place of intimacy with the Lord. I mean, have you ever gotten so close to God that you started sensing and feeling that there were things that he wanted? And you started accommodating yourself to those desires of the Father. You know, there was a a time in my life that I wanted certain things. And the Lord would say, yeah, but, you know, I would prefer this. And he would almost present it to me. I would prefer and, you know, I always thought that God was like, I command you to do the. You know, that's not really a, a great intimate relationship. Uh, now, he's still God, and he still commands the universe and holds things there together by the word of his power. But in a relationship he wants with you, he wants you to be so close to his heart that the relationship part of this, this thing kicks in to where you want to please him. What, what is it you really want for me? And you start catching that wind Of his heartbeat hallelujah that's really what I'm thinking that he I mean how how often in a situation if we would catch the heartbeat of God he would he would begin to tell us what he wants for things that are right here in the circle of my influence you know we're thinking something else and he's like but I really would I really am trying to get this to happen and I want to I want you to to help me with that and when you catch that wind you catch that heartbeat you adjust yourself Hallelujah. Number three, practice forgiveness. Everybody say, I'm going to practice forgiveness. Now, I said practice. Most of this is practice, but you have to practice these things. Forgiveness is an event, and it's a process. When you get hurt, and you're really hurt, I know what it's like to say, well, Father, I forgive them for hurting me, but then I'm still struggling. And maybe in the moment I'm okay, but then I go home and I crawl into bed and there it is again. And most believers, they don't know what to do at that point because I already prayed. I don't know what to do. Well, pray again. You pray it again and you kick that monkey off of you and put it right where it belongs. And if it comes back, you do it again. And if it comes back, you do it again. And I had somebody say, well, how often do I have to do that? Until you don't have to do that no more. You need to forgive until you don't have to forgive anymore. And you don't need to look for an apology. You don't need to look for them to make it right. You're trying to get yourself free from something that is ruining you, poisoning you. And you don't want the enemy to have an advantage. Paul told the church of Corinth because this dude had really messed the church up. He had sinned real bad and the church had gotten scolded over it because they were okay with it for a while. And then they woke up and they realized this guy's, this guy's got his dad's wife. And he's like, my Lord. My Lord. Uh, we got to kick that guy out. So they all kicked him out of church because it was infectious. It was a sin that everybody was embracing. And so finally the church woke up when the spell was broken. And they realized, we, got, we can't let that guy in here. And they got offended. They got angry. And then Paul writes 2 Corinthians to try to address that and says, now wait a minute. This guy's coming back repented. He, he stopped doing that. He's repented. And we need to embrace him again. Because we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. You know, the longer you permit yourself to stay in unforgiveness, the more in bondage you will find yourself being. And listen, those bondage, here's the thing about when them devils come back seven times, you don't get to pick which ones come back. You know, you might've got delivered from some tormenting spirit of fear, but who's to say some other devils that are of a different brand come back with him. You know you can't just say well i only want these ones and i'll deal with those no it's whatever his friends are and so you just want to keep the door closed so you've practiced forgiveness until you don't have to everybody say i'm going to practice forgiveness forgiveness. hallelujah i would encourage you listen when i sit down with christians who are wanting to get free of some other issue i always take them to this too I don't care what the other issue it is. I always bring them right here. And I do it this way. I teach them how to pray. And I always say, who's the number one person in your life that you struggle with forgiveness? And everybody has a number one. Everybody has a number one person that is the hardest person for them to forgive. Sometimes it's their mama. Sometimes it's their daddy. And it's like they're struggling in their life. But they want to be a good Christian, but they never mention it. And I lead them into praying to forgive them. And I let them, I let them complain to God. What is it they did? Tell God what they did. And I just let them bleed and hemorrhage in that prayer and just tell all the gory stuff before God until they run out of words. And sometimes it goes for a minute. Sometimes it goes for 20 minutes. And then they're just caught up in a moment of letting the hemorrhage of all that pus run out of their soul. And they get it all out before God. And then they forgive them, and they turn them loose. And then I say, we're going to go to number two. And always number one and number two aren't very close. Number one's usually a big deal. Number two's somewhere a little bit lower. And then we go to number three, and then I encourage them to go home. And you start thinking about this, and you write people down that you've never addressed. Now listen to me about forgiveness. I don't, I, this is really important stuff here. You don't just walk around in your heart and just, I'm okay now. That doesn't cut the mustard with forgiveness. Do you realize the whole process of reaping victory in your life is with your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess. And that includes forgiving people. You don't walk around and say, well, you know, I was pretty bad about it, and I'm okay now. I'm, 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 and you just never voice this. You never have a conversation with your father. Because the reality is, is that this is involving him. And so you want to talk to him about it. You want to release that forgiveness. And let me me just throw this in here to you. You know, James chapter 5 tells us something we don't pay attention to at all in the body of Christ today. It says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. Now, that doesn't mean we get a microphone up here and we bleed out all of our sins. That specifically means when I am the offender, when I'm the one that has hurt people, Because I did wrong and now I've got something broke in my life and I'm trying to get God to heal it But the issue between my brother or my sister is still there and I've never Maybe I said to God Lord. I'm sorry for doing that. That's not good enough There needs to be an attempt to try to bridge that gap again and you go to that person you've hurt and you let them off the hook and you repent to them too. I'll tell you, we'd see a lot more healing in the body of Christ if we learned to practice that principle because that, that's what that principle is talking about right there is that we need to learn how to, to, if we've offended, if we've been the offender, if we've caused the breach, then we need to try to help repair that by being humble. Well, that just it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. It's supposed to. Do you realize that sometimes the, the pain of the restoration helps you to kind of recognize the value of all of your other relationships. You know, if you have no value system concerning your relationship, you can just hop around, you know, if nothing really sticks and this church really doesn't matter and, you know, I can just go find me another one just like I'm buying a hamburger. But if you've got investment and you break it and you really have value there, man, and you have to fix it, It will teach you the next time how to maybe walk a little straighter and help somebody with not that crooked thing that was allowed to dominate you. So I just thought I'd throw that in there for you too. Amen. 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 Number four, become aware that the call of God involves many times coming out of our father's house, just like Abraham. You know, God called him into the promised land. I feel like I'm almost going into teaching mode, but I'm not going to. But God called Abraham out of the land of Ur, of the Chaldees. And he said to him, not only come out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees, but come away from your father's house. And here was the thing. You know, his father died in the process because if you read the scripture, Abraham takes off and his dad goes with him. And so his dad goes so far and then his dad dies in a certain place and it can't go all the way. But it, was, it wasn't a breaking of a relationship. It, it, God didn't tell Abraham, I want you to never have anything to do with your father again. He was challenging us to think about all of our ways of our previous generations that aren't right. I mean, sometimes we've grown up in dysfunction. And I, all of us have grown up in dysfunction. All of us have had dysfunction. And so when you recognize that those things are now in your set ways of thinking and you start following the Lord away from those things you're obeying him to get challenged to be freer then I don't have to have the jealousy that my family line had I don't have to have the poverty that my my family line had. I don't have to have the lineage of divorce that my family line has I don't have to have the lineage of addiction like my family line has or the fighting. My God, you know how many Christian homes there are? How many of us know the stories of the criticisms of the Pentecostals who would go to church, Shondi, Rondai, shoot the pecan down, have a runaway, and then go home and fight like cats and dogs, and everybody hated each other's guts? You always hear those stories. I always hear those stories. I still hear them today. Well, them just hypocrites. No, they're caught in the bondage. They're caught in something that somebody needs to tell them. you got to come away from that stuff. You don't need to just practice good things in church. You need to go home and learn to walk in forgiveness and come away from the stuff that you got stuck in. That you don't have to be a fighting family like that. You don't have to have that kind of a dysfunction. Somebody needs to break the curse and determine that it ain't going to go past your line that you're the person that's going to take the censure of the Lord and you're going to stick it in your life and say that thing ain't coming this this way me and my kids we're gonna live differently and we're gonna walk in the blessing of God hallelujah just because everybody in the home has depression don't mean you have to have it just because everybody's scared of this and that and the other don't mean you have to be scared of this that and the other glory to God you can still visit them you can still fellowship with them but you just start recognizing that these elements aren't for me in my relationship with God. Hallelujah. You know, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a whole bunch of my family that didn't like tongues. It wasn't my immediate family, thank God. But, boy, there were some others that were very strong, not spirit-filled groups. Oh, yeah, you better not do that. That's the devil. I was like, well, no, it's not the devil. You just don't understand. And so I just went on with it. Instead of being drugged backward, I went on. So you got to stay away from those things. Get rid of things. Your house is clean. Examine your life again and get rid of things that can drag you back into bondage. Listen to me. These are things. You don't need to have these in your house. Paraphernalia like porn. Now listen, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm a pastor. This is stuff I deal with all the time. Porn, that means on your devices. Weed, alcohol. Now listen, I'm talking about, are you trying to walk in freedom, but you keep getting drug back? Pills, drug kits, hidden secret accounts. Uh And I'm talking (laughs) just, I'm not just talking about bank accounts, I'm talking about secret social media accounts. I mean, we're talking about you want to walk in victory, but you got to dis- determine I'm dragging something here. I got to cut this thing off. It's, it's making me stumble. I, I, I want my house cleaned out, but I need to get it filled again. So I, I need to really clean it out. Old love letters from former boyfriends or girlfriends, and you've been married 10 years. I'm gonna tell you something I tell our old folks. You know, some I got some older folks I've pastored over the years that they're in their second marriage because their previous spouse had died. And I tell them, hey, we need to sit down. We need to, we need to sever that soul tie. And you know what I found out? I found out that some of them, they were still in that first marriage. They weren't committed to the second. second marriage was almost like this was, this was premium. This is down here at standard grade. And listen, the Bible says if you're going to be a leader in the church, you've got to be married to one wife or one spouse. That's not talking about I've never been married before. That means you need to be invested in the marriage you got right now. You've got to be invested in the marriage you've got right now and be really married. And that means, listen to me, guys. I understand that you might want to go out with the guys, but you better not have a need to have to do that. You need to go home to your wife. Girls, you need to go home to your husband. We need to be married for real, real, real. So you get rid of all that paraphernalia that reminds you of some other story that you were in the past that still pulls on you and robs you from where you are today needing to be invested. Get rid of occultic objects. There's no reason you need to have your house filled with occultic objects. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> there was a young lady that came up in one of my services. The Holy Ghost fell. I know I'm taking a long time, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. This is, this is not, you got tomorrow night free. This this little girl had come. Lady had brought her. She's 16 years old. She's sitting in the back. I don't know what's going on. At the end of the service, the Holy Spirit starts moving. We start praying for people. She comes up to the front. She's trembling. This little girl is trembling. And I'm like, what's going on? And she just begins to tell me. She said, I've been practicing witchcraft. I'm a witch. And I just thought this Jesus stuff was stupid. And I hated it. Oh, my God, he's real, he's all over me, oh! And she starts screaming like this. I said, well, do you want to give your life to him? She goes, yes, I need to get saved right now. I want to quit witchcraft. I said, okay, well, I let her in a sinner's prayer. And then I always do this. This is the best moment to strike oil. It's time to get filled with the Holy Ghost right now. So she said, okay. So I lead her in a prayer to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And before she can even open her mouth, she falls out. Of course, all the church is going, ooh, wow. The Holy Spirit said, that ain't me. And so I said, I told everybody, be quiet. And I just stand there, and I'm looking. And I look, and this girl's got a necklace on of an ankh. Anybody know what an ankh is? An ankh is an Egyptian symbol of eternal life. She's wearing it around her neck. It's the cross with the big loop at the top of it. And the Holy Spirit just says, she's got to take that off and break that thing. And she needs to renounce it. And so I just said, I said, honey, the Lord needs you to take that necklace off. Well, all these guys are ushers around. They're starting to grab. And I said, no, 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 no. You can't do this for her. She has to be willing to do this. So we stand her back up. And she reaches up and grabs that thing and snaps it. And when she did, boy, she busted out in tongues. And I mean, she got gloriously baptized in the Holy Ghost. Just like that, hallelujah. So we don't want connections with things that don't represent the Lord in our life. Here's the last one: stay submitted to authority. Everybody say, everybody say, I renounce rebellion. Listen to me: the kingdom of God is not a free for all. It looks like it sometimes, but it ain't. Do you think all them angels are out there as free agents? All the angels out there in the spirits are all because like, you know, I'm hired by God today, but I do my own thing, you know, on the weekend. No, it ain't like that.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what we know about angels? We know they'd have different rank. They're not all equal. They're not all the same. They're ruling class angels and they rule over different things. They do different things. And why is it that we think that the kingdom of God in the church is different? Why do we think that the household of God is different? You know, we're not, we're not all of equal authority. There are those that have been, you know, authority means responsibility, by the way. Right. So if you've been given authority, it means God gave you a responsibility and he gave you the permission to do it. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft means you're working for the other team. Everybody say, I'm not working for the other team. So when you buck up against authority, you're working for the other team. And you need to recognize that in the house of God. You know, Pastor Ziggy's not always going to tell you what you want to hear. I don't think the brother is ever concerned about what he says. And because of that, I know that it can rub us the wrong way sometimes. We don't, I, don't, I just don't agree. I just don't agree. Well, fine. Why do you have to say that? Maybe you don't agree. You can still be submitted and not agree. But why do you have to say that? Are you trying to build a a force with it? Are you trying to gather up people? Because I found this to be true. Some people just want to blab and talk so they can gather up an army and then when they feel like they got enough people on their team, then they attack. And it's all the work of, that's the same thing the devil did when he got thrown out of heaven. So you want to stay submitted to authority and recognize that there's an appropriate way that we respond to authority around us. There's authority in the world, there's authority in the church, there's authority in the home. And you you, you determine I'm going to catch that revelation and I'm going to recognize those whom God has placed over me. Hebrews 7, 13, 17, and this is in the Amplified, it says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them continually, recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch for your souls, guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to render an account of their trust and do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that will not be profitable to you either. Hallelujah. Keep your house filled. Keep it clean and keep it filled. And take upon these things that I've released to you in this last moment of these this meeting this week. I appreciate your pastors letting us come. They they Pastor Ziggy likes to stretch me. <laughs> the the nature of our relationship has been great over the years, but this is one of the things this brother does is he he apparently he sees things in me that I don't see and he tries to put me in a position to make it come out. And this is one of those weeks here, because, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to be real vulnerable. I've never preached this many times in a row as I have this week. He said, hey, I'd like for you to come. And he told me this date and this date and this date, and I'm thinking there's going to be other people here speaking. You mean I got all five services? Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's stand up to our feet. Where's that oil? I want us to do it this way. I'm going to stand over here, and Pastor Tammy's going to stand over here. Thank you. And Pastor Ziggy and Annie, would you come and stand with me? And I'm going to ask you, we're going to consecrate and sanctify our lives, and I'm going to ask the Lord to work in you while we do this tonight. And I'm going to ask you to come around to this side of the church if you would like for prayer, and we're going to anoint you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to just bless you, and we're going to send you out in Jesus' name because we believe that God has done a good work in you. In Jesus name if you'll hold that bottle of oil and fill our hands with it I would appreciate that hallelujah so if you would like prayer come around to this side of the building as we begin tonight hallelujah father we thank you tonight for your people and Lord we thank you today for the transition of this church uh, Lord I believe this is not for naught. Lord I, I, I pray that everyone Has received something from you and even yet Lord if we haven't that maybe right now at this moment we can so in the name of Jesus Christ we take authority over the atmosphere of the mind that has been distracting and pulling other ways and we release the people of God tonight into another place with you adding building growing father even yet if there are things that are tormenting and enslaving Tonight, break that yoke, destroy it, and loose them and let them go. And, Father, I pray that they'll take these things and fill their house up with the Holy Ghost and the things of God and walk in freedom like they're called to walk in, in the name of Jesus. So here's what I'd like for you guys to do. We're going to start, and then we're going to send you around that way, and we're going to keep this trail moving that way. So we'll start right here in this corner with these young ladies. In the name of Jesus. 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 Man. In (laughs) the name of Jesus. In 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 the name of Jesus. Sanctified, set apart for the Master in the name of Jesus. I'm going to trip over that thing one of these nights. In the name of Jesus. All right, right, Bailey, yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of, Bailey, I'm going to pray for you and then you'll go around that way and find your seat in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And let these other guys transition behind us here. They're going to pray for you too. Hallelujah. God bless you everybody lift your hands let's pray in the Holy Ghost let's stir up the Holy Spirit In 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 the name of Jesus 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 As soon as you guys pray for Bailey, she's going to start moving the line that way and going around, and we'll just start having the line come right here in front of us while we're in the center. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for Bailey. Thank you for Bailey. Hallelujah. Come on, Nikki. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know you've received something this week. I love you. You are beautiful. You're precious. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we release her. We just pray over her that this anointing of God that's on her would increase. Her ability to cooperate and flow with it would increase. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right, well, we're going to kind of stay on it. We'll just have you all move in front of us. I'm going to start, and then I'll send you on down there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, brother. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Sanctified, set apart in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the, Jesus. in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is what we'll do. Me and Tammy will get on this side. Pastor Ziggy and Pastor Annie will get on that side and we'll pray for you. Come on, Miss Twyla. Praise the Lord. You're walking pretty good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We bless her tonight and anoint her. We anoint our brother. Thank you for Brother Saunders. In the name of Jesus. Touch him, God. Touch him, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for Jess, God. Bless her in the name of Jesus. More, more, more. Lord, fill her until her heart's desire satisfied in Jesus name. Father thank you. Thank you for our sister God. Bless her. Fill her with the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lord Miss Rhonda's anointing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless Titus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, sister, praise the Lord. Hallelujah! We anoint her with oil in the name of the Lord. We pray over you and bless you in the name of Jesus. What a great testimony! Hallelujah, Father, thank you. In the name, of I don't want to oil your hat up, Amen. I know you don't care, do you? Amen. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Prophetic dreams. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. 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 Bless this family, Father. Lord, we thank you so very much for this baby. Oh, in Jesus' name. Bless Mama, Father. Bless Mama in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let her walk away tonight with more, more, more. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for Shelby. Lord, bless her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. Stir the anointing in her. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name name above every other name, hallelujah. Pray right now, bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Ravi, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the future, thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, thank you for this man of God. Hallelujah, amen. Now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. I don't want to pull up your hat. Amen. That would be awful. To go home like, my God, there's a minister's handprint on my hat. In Jesus' name, we bless you, brother. We bless you, brother. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you. Oh, we thank you, God. Lord, we bless Lewis right now in the name of Jesus. Man, I felt something there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Andrew. Strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Thank you, for Andrew. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, sister, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, my brother. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, we release you. Brother, we bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
2: Hallelujah.
0: Lord, we thank you for Job. God bless him. Thank you, Lord. The best is yet to come. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hey, brother. How are you? God bless you, man. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you to bless my brother. Minister to him right now. Touch him, Lord, in areas of his life. Thank you, Father, for the man of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for a heart, Lord, that is held in your hands. You can turn any which way you want, and he's willing to go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for Brother Gill. In the name of Jesus. Bless him. Bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Bless him, In Jesus' name. Thank you for David, Father. Thank you. Anoint him with all and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. 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 Amen amen thank you lord thank you guys for having us this week we so appreciate every one of you knowing you and getting to know you even more thank you for being with us this week pastor glory praise jesus
1: praise the name of the lord amen come on let's lift our hands one more time and give god thanks praise the lord he's good lord is good where's eric i i saw something for eric where'd he go Yeah, i saw something for Eric. I saw something for you too, Joe. I heard the I heard the Holy Ghost saying that uh uh He told me to stretch my right hand toward you. Amen. And he he told me this. He says, He said, and I don't understand this, but I hear God saying, like, whatever blessing or whatever, whatever. In fact, I'm, I'm hearing this, this one thing, this, this, this will apply to this. this will bear witness with some others in here, but now as a, and, and of course I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not representing myself. You know, the Bible says we're ambassadors for him. We're ambassadors for the Lord. And so if I stand up here and I declare something by the spirit, we know that it's the Lord that's, that's really saying these things, and so because I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but I hear but I hear God saying this, I hear God saying that His, as I extend my right hand towards you, His right hand is extended towards you, and I hear the Lord saying this, that, um. I, this is for you, David. This is for you, Joe. There there there'll be some others in here that bear witness with you, but I hear God saying this. He says his back isn't turned toward God isn't giving you his back. But God says his right hand is extended towards you. And I hear the Lord saying that what that what you what you maybe feel like you didn't receive from your natural father, I hear the Lord saying, You're about to receive it from your heavenly father. And I hear God saying, just like in the in the in the natural in the earth. In the Old Testament, we see it where fathers took and they blessed their children. I hear God saying, you're turning a corner. Yeah. And that in these meetings, by the Spirit, now you, you don't have to feel a thing. We, we put way too much emphasis on what we feel. Right. What, what will result, what will come as a result of this is a changed life, a transformed life. The Lord brought you to this place because God said he wanted you to know that you had a father, that you had a father that blessed you. And so as a representative of the Father God, I bless you in the name of Jesus. If, listen, if you didn't receive the blessing of your Father in Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless you in Jesus name. I extend my right hand towards you and I declare that that God's back is not facing you, but He is facing you. He is looking you eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose. He is looking in your face and He is saying you've been accepted. And uh, the inheritance and the favor of your Father is upon you in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Eric, I saw you crawling out of, out of a, I, I was sitting up here and, uh, I, you know, I didn't intend to say anything to anybody, but as I was sitting up here, I saw you climbing out of a grave that was shaped like you. I hear God saying, there's going to be some old things you're going to leave behind in this. I hear God, I hear God saying this, you may not be aware of it. You may not even realize it, but you are in the greatest battle that you've ever faced in your life. You are in the greatest battle you have ever faced in your life. And it's not a battle with the devil. It's a battle with all the things that he tried to leave. You know, uh, you ever had, you ever had, Pastor, Pastor Ben talked about how, um, you know, as Christians, we, we think about being, you know, we think about demon possession. And not so much about oppression. And oppression is like when you get an infestation of mice. You know, um, we, want, we had termites. You know how we found out we had termites? We started seeing little holes in the walls. I didn't, you know, you don't realize the damage termites do until you find it. I went into Gabe's room and I was pushing on a baseboard a couple years after we had the termite inspection. I had him uh, uh, spray for the termite. I put my finger on the baseboard of his wall and just pushed right through it with my fingers. Disintegrated under my hand. I was like, dear God, I I thought maybe they'd come back, but no, it was the remnants. It was the remnants of the, you know what I hear the Lord saying, Eric, you're beginning to experience the remnants of things where the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, and some things you're putting your hand to them and they seem to be disintegrating under your hand. Like they're, they're not, they're not as strong as you thought they were and, and and instead of instead of it instilling confidence in God, it's, it's sometimes it's caused concern to rise up in you like, man, this doesn't this doesn't give me confidence. Things that I thought were secure, things that I thought were settled, things that I thought I wouldn't have to worry about, wouldn't have to think about. I touched it and it fell apart. I hear the Lord saying, fear not. He said uh, he says uh, he's delivering you out of the grave of old. And the Lord says he's renovating your house. He's renovating your house. I, I hear God saying this. He says, just like there's some things you don't take out of them houses that you're, you're renovating and flipping, they, they, they have no value. They're, they are of no value. They're outdated. They're damaged. They're destroyed. The Lord says, there's some things you're looking at and you're trying to find value in it. And God says, there's no value in it. You got to let it go. And that, that's where you, God says, you're not stagnant. You haven't come. You, you believe your, your mind has told you, you've come to a standstill. You have not come to a standstill. There's a renovation taking place. And God, God says this, if you'll let him finish it. The Lord says, when you come out of this, God says, you will come out of this. Not just, not, not just, um, not just having been made better, not just being able to, uh, um, not just being able to manage your life but the lord says you'll come away delivered Delivered. god is truly delivering you to another place in jesus name and so i loose that to you brother i thank god for it i saw you cry it's like a i imagine it's probably what a locust looks like when it comes out of its I, I, maybe not a good example, but you know, you, you always find those little shells from a locust kind of sitting around at certain times. They're, they're attached to something, and, and you pull them off, and they're just an empty shell. I saw you coming out of, like you were coming out of that. You were pushing out of it. Well, here's another thing that's going to happen is that um, where in the past you've been reluctant to reach out toward the hands that have been reached out to you to help you to come out. I saw in that same picture I saw I saw people's hands reaching and I saw you swatting away at their hands saying I'm strong I can do this. I'm not weak, I'm strong. I'm strong. I don't need I don't need your help. I can do this. But the Lord the Lord said this. The Lord said tell him I'm not sending help cuz he's weak. The Lord says tell him I'm sending help to make it easy amen this has come out of your mouth he says more than one time he said you've said this you've said work smarter not harder now the lord's telling you work smarter not harder in the name of jesus glory to god amen thank god what a good word praise the lord i lose that to you eric the name of jesus that god's looking out for us amen his hand is extended toward us god's back is not to us He's looking at eyeball to eyeball, face to face. And he's saying, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Pastor Ben, thank you so much. We're so appreciative. How many of you appreciate the man of God? Amen. Amen. I love this brother. He's he's my friend. He's my brother. He's the man of God. And uh, I'm going to tell you all something. I want want you all to know something. He's already said it. He never did this before, you know. He never did this before. And... uh, um, this is the only church Pastor Ben goes and preaches at. Y'all know that, right? I told him, I said, here's the thing, man. I, I just feel I feel like we're special. Because you don't go no place but our place. Amen. Glory to God. And as long as the Lord does that, we'll just keep on doing it. But you know, he's right. I'm a pusher. You hang around with me, I'll push you into something. Amen. We'll discover what's in you. We'll discover what's in you, and you'll be uncomfortable. You might even be mad at me a couple times, but it'll be all right. You'll get over it. Hey, Amen. I always, I don't get mad at y'all too. Much. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever been. Have I been mad? Let me think real quick, cause I don't want to lie. Well, maybe Titus. No, 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 no. no I just like that. I just like Titus. I was like, Amen. But listen, I love you all. Uh, we are back here. Uh, Outreach Friday, is that right, Shereen? Outreach Friday, Spring, Bricktown, Springtown, Bricktown. Uh, there'll be Bricktown outreach this uh, this uh, Friday. So uh, get connect with Sheree if you want to do the outreach. We have a very special guest that's going to be bringing the Word of God on Sunday. Pastor Marianne Bentonker Sanchez is going to be preaching the Word. And so, she's nervous too, boy. But God always uses her, and I don't know why she gets nervous. But I'm excited about that. Pray for us. We're going to go to Revival in Adrian. And uh, I'll see you all uh, back here next week. But keep us in your prayers. I sure love you guys. You're the bomb. Amen.